All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, my friends, for another episode of The Podcast, the cannabis podcast for budding enthusiasts. As always, you're joined by your boy, Heavy Days, here from the Upside Down Library, and we are hugely appreciative of our fantastic sponsors. You know them and love them. Seeds here now. Number one seed bank in America, not just a guarantee on germination, guarantee on satisfaction. If you don't like it at the end of the grow, hit them up. They will make it right. They will sort you out. Why would you go with someone who doesn't have such a guarantee? If you're in the UK, though, hit up our buddies at Simply Souvenirs. With a hand-selected range of boutique breeders and smoking apparatuses and apparel, Simply Souvenirs offers some of the best customer service in the game. You will absolutely be looked after well by our friends there. Please check them out in the UK. International and local UK breeders, huge thank you to Simply Souvenirs. Likewise, huge shout out to our friends at Copet Biological Systems. For all the best predators and predation technology in the game, you have to check out Copet and their products. If you've got aphids, get the Par M. If you've got spider mites, get the Spidex Vital. How many times we got to say it, guys? A clean garden is next to godliness. What more could you want than peace of mind knowing that your plants are pest and pathogen free? Check them out, Copet Biological. Thank you so much, guys. Huge shout out to our friends at Pulse Sensors. If you've got one room, three rooms, multi-state facilities, you need pulse sensors. The reality is there's many variables that can hold your crop back and you may not even be aware they're not optimized. Get yourself a pulse sensor, dial in your parameters. Increase yield, resin, flavor, all the information at your fingertips. Check it out guys, pulse sensors. Get serious, get a pulse. Shout out to the crew at Purple, who created the Purple Pro, a modular handheld unit capable of giving you accurate flower and concentrate cannabinoid tests from THC to CBD, water content, water activity and more. Grab yourself a Purple Pro, guys. They were kind enough to send me one. I've been playing with it. It's fun. I think you guys will like it. And last but not least, the Patreon gang. Thank you so much for your support. You are the lifeblood of the show. We could not make episodes without the support of the Patreon gang. We are hugely grateful. If you want to help support the show, get access to early content, unheard interviews, exclusive Patreon-only episodes, as well as monthly genetic giveaways, check out the Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash the podcast. Huge shout out to the Patreon guys. We appreciate you. All right, all right, all right. Welcome on back, friends, for part two. The man himself, Tom Hill, here to talk all things haze, deep chunk, X18, pine tar kush, so much more. Thanks for coming back to check out the second part. So, without further delay, Let's get into it. So let's go back a bit. You uh, you moved to the neighborhood and you started getting exposed to a lot of the strains we've talked about. What was the progress like before you started to do your own open pollinations or did it happen immediately? 
Uh, yeah, no, it didn't happen immediately. You know, we were reading like uh, Rob Clark, you know, Marijuana Botany is, was, was the one, you know, that we were reading back then. And it's a great, great, great book, you know, timeless, uh, a real gem. Uh, but and, and and he would give you hints, you know, about not backing yourself into any corners with your with your selection. He, and and he would give examples of heterosis and stuff about, you know, how how you know F one was great for this grower, but the, and the next year there's a few less, and then he eventually drove this you know line into the ground. You know, he would give you examples of that in that book. And uh, you know, be, and 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 speak of how this guy inadvertently, you know, spread himself back, backed himself into a corner, and fucking, you know. So you could you, you could if you could if you could hear that message, <laughs> you know, that he was trying to tell you back then. It, you know, for 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 me, first came male pollen mixes was the big one. Okay, I'm not gonna I'm not even gonna try to select a male here because I don't want to I don't want to lose something that's special. And at the time, something you can't even really test for because, you know, you're talking about smoke, right? How do I know which one of these fucking, which one of these males uh, is smokes best, you know? And uh, I mean, I'm not actually going to smoke them. That's what Rob suggested. Just said, you know, dry out a bag and see which one disappears first, you know, which, which is what I do with my females. <laughs> but I'm not going to do that with my males. I'm just going to make a fucking male pollen mix. And not back myself into any corners. And then eventually, you know, a couple, you know, after thinking about it more, you'll you'll end up at open pollination before too long for, for that reason. It's a, it's a way to make sure that you, when you have something and you like it, that you, you know, that you don't fuck it up. Just let, let all, all the pollen, all the girls fly. And then after that, you can fuck around all you want with more in, intensive breeding. Yeah, nice. And I mean, you've spoken fondly about Rob Clark. He's a phenomenal source of information and a pioneer. I was interested, were there any other sort of gurus, breeders, or other sources of knowledge you hold in high esteem? Yeah, yeah you know, um, gosh, any of them that they're... <laughs> any of them that can go out on a limb and, and voice something new when they might be wrong, you know? <laughs> uh, guys like Hive and, and uh, <laughs> DJ Short, you know, he's got some bizarre theories, DJ Short does. And, uh, you know, and I admire him for putting him out there when, uh, you know, it's possible that people are going to laugh at you. You know, there's, there's nothing, I don't respect anything higher than that. People that are willing to, uh, you know, say something that might sound bizarre to a lot of others, but you know, just just pure observation, and and being able to bounce it off people. You know, if you don't say shit about what you're thinking, you know, we're not going to get very far, are we? Um, and so I admire people that come forward with, you know, bizarre new uh, theories and such. Yeah, a lot of those people you just mentioned. Uh equally people I hold in high esteem. I'm interested now, though, you mentioned it. Have you got any, what you would describe as bizarre observations of your own? <laughs> um, sure. I mean, who doesn't? I still suspect these damn runs are, are where it's at, you know. It's Vic High or somebody back then said it might have been fucking Breeder Steve or somebody. But, uh, hey, those might be the ones you want. Um, just because, you know, so many times... 
this this best plan is 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 you know just lacking in 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 growth you know what you want to see in in the growth of a plant it turns out to be the best plant fucking these low yielding thing so you know i kind of sometimes you'll see these ones you know and they just for for a minute for for brief seconds you know they can't veg right you know but then they they'll grow out of it and you know and do fine but it's almost like a regular environment is it freaks them out you know uh these ones, these ones, I've always, I always like to keep an eye on. They often, they often are exceptional. One of the ones that won that, uh, you mentioned that IC Mag uh, cannabis cup or whatever, 420 cup. It was, it was a plant like that too. It's just happened so many times that I always keep an eye on these ones that are kind of, this one's, you know, kind of freaky doing its own thing over here. What's going on? But they'll often end up, they'll often surprise you and be kick-ass, you know. And it's never the plant that, I always say that your favorite plant, like, changes three or four times during the course of a season, you know. Uh, you know, during growth, you'll say, oh, this one's fucking kicking ass. This is my favorite plant. As you enter budding, your, your favorite plant, oh, this one, look at the, what this one's doing. Oh, this one, you know. It keeps changing and changing and changing. Looks, smell, resin, resin, you know, and, and then it changes one more time. And buddy, and that that's when it hits the pipe. And that's the that's the final that's the final say. You know. Yeah, I certainly have noticed that myself a few times as well. It's a bit of a random sidestep question, but I'm curious to know what are you growing this year? Oh, a bunch of popular crap or not even popular just uh, you know same stuff that other people are are you know growing in the neighborhood a big variety of stuff i have that that gelato 33 and that i really liked um i like the high off of it i won't lie you know that's a good cerebral smoke any other notable ones that you've been impressed by well there's a few that are coming in now one mendo fuel or something uh, that I haven't smoked yet. It's still uh, it's just coming off the line. To, uh, uh, shit, that one I haven't even harvested yet. There's a few of them that still need to come in, but none of them are super impressive from what I can see so far, I would say. And that's a drag. <laughs> but they were free. <laughs> <laughs> While we're talking about runs, is that sort of one of the reasons why you like to grow from seed? Because you see those runs pop up, whereas with clone, you know, you don't. Oh, I, I've been growing. I've been growing from clone for a long time for for production, you know. But I I love I love uh, growing from seed because you you never know what you're going to find. It's like fishing, isn't it? Um, you know, you don't know what you're going to bring up. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean. Let's let's go back uh, to when you know you're learning the ropes and you're first starting to do the open pollinations with these lines. Which of these lines really, you know, uh, how should I say, took your heart first? You know, was it the deep chunk? Was it the X18? Which one really first captivated you? Yeah, it was deep chunk by far. Was my favorite for years and years and years. Um, you know, I couldn't very well grow even haze uh, commercially. You know, it just wasn't even an option um, all through those years. But Deep deep Chunk did exactly what I wanted it to do, you know, produce well in, in low light conditions. And um, and it was really good smoke. I liked it. Cerebral smoke. Had very uniform pounds. You know, that, that plant breeds true as the driven snow. 
Um, and so it turned out very consistent product for, for decades for me. Yeah. And when did the idea of crossing it to Hayes come into your mind? Well, it was probably after I read Rob, Rob Clark's Marijuana Botany, um, you know, right away. And, that, you know, as soon as I had that haze and, and knew how good it was, that that was the plan kind of thing. Sure. And, and what was it like when you first grew those out, the, the F1? Were you surprised by what you saw or was it all pretty much what you expected? I didn't, I've never really, I've never grown the F1 commercially. You know, I was uh, back then... Uh, the deep chunk was it was so good and giving me what I wanted for what I was doing, you know. I was trying to move weight, and uh, it was predictable and easy. And I knew that crossing out to that fucking fourteen to six week plant, you know, was going to have me into into November or something here <laughs> into the rains and stuff. So I didn't. I wasn't looking to cross it out. Uh, I wasn't looking to cross them together so much for production as I was for my own head. Yeah, okay, sure. That's completely understandable. And I mean, you've got some other notable F1 hybrids, like particularly the Cripple Creek, where you cross the pine tar to the deep chunk. I know that, um, you know, that was one that seems to get a few mentions online. Did you did you like what you were able to see from those F1 hybrids? And would you consider doing other F1 hybrids with your lines? Um, you know, I was just going for that, you know, for that recombination generation thing that we were talking about before I was, I was trying to, uh, you know, create something, something not, not seen in either line by, get, by getting in, into that. I was just rifling through those generations. Uh, and, and that was just remnant seed that I had sent in. Um, but I'd never really continued on with it much, much after that. I haven't done a bunch of F, F2 searches through that, through them. I still have F2 seed that I made, which was the point. And, and most of those F1s were just uh, remnant seed that I passed out along the way to what I wanted to put away. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're stocking up. So do you have any plans to get into those or are you just the other stuff is more interesting right now? Well, right now, I think, you know, uh, Hayes is on the list um, and, de and, and Deep Chunk because it's been, I think, the last reproduction was 09 or something on both of those. And, uh, you know, it's time to do a germ test. I'm probably flirting with, with you know, something below 60% on what I have here. So that's kind of my next, my next plan is to do those things. Oh, time, open pollination time again. But I'll probably make a point of saving uh, clones from the from the haze, a portion of that, and try to find a good one. Yeah, brilliant. And do you feel like open pollination captures everything in the sense that have you noticed any variation over time in any of the lines you've done with open pollination, or do you feel like it does really just capture the whole thing? Well, everything everything goes downhill, uh, you know. Uh, at a fast pace or a slow pace and open pollination is, is a way to make that slow and and you know something's not going to stay killer forever if you keep breeding with it you know breeding is is both you know what how we have such great cannabis and it's and it's also why we have such bad cannabis or, or you know or, or lines that have just been driven into the ground you know uh that's a lot of i think probably what's happened everywhere in Thailand and in India 
you know, all these places. You're like, where was this great, where was this great shit from the old days, man? Well, uh, you know, the, the, the great spots only stay good for this moment in time, you know? It's a moving target, man. <laughs> yeah, some wise words there. And while we're on the topic of it, Thailand recently legalized cannabis. Any thoughts on that? Ever wanted to go there, set up shop over there? Uh, uh, no, I would say no. I like um, I like Southeast Asia, but um, you know the language barrier there is something that'll never be gotten over uh, with me anyway. I, you know, so it's it's the other for me. You know, for sure, it represents something that's ooh, that's too mis- that's too mysterious for me. I, I'm not that adventurous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I feel you. It's not too far from me, and yet it also still seems like a a big jump but just to loop back you know obviously you're known for doing open pollinations but you've done some f1 hybrids and a, a focal discussion point of the show is around selecting males and i was curious to know do you have any thoughts on selecting males do you think it's just a fraught adventure given your preference for open pollination and if not do you think there are any traits that are associated with a better male? Because I guess that's one of the common things we discuss. Like, you know, how do you select a male? What's your thoughts on the subject? Well, resin, you know, um, if you have a resinous male, uh, that's that's worth something more than a non-resinous male, I think. <laughs> I used to I used to go and, and feel the stems of, of haze plants if I was going to try to do a, you know, a half-sib uh, cross or something. I would... You know, if I was going to try to get a, a, a group of males out of, out of a big population and do some more intensive breeding, I, I used to whittle them down by whether or not their, their stalks were sticky and veg, because a good portion of them are. Um, and, uh, and you could smell them and, and know that that's, oh, and here's this, here's this, you know, kind of a Thai profile that I'm after. Yeah, okay, interesting. And, I mean, I'm curious, what sort of terpene profiles do you gravitate towards in general? Um, gosh. Rotten meat. <laughs> I like, uh, that's it, this one, that's, I shit you not, this one, um, you know, I, I was worried that you were going to ask me how, you know, how this one tastes like that my neighbor brought over. And that's like what I, that was my first impression. This thing fucking tastes like rotten meat, man. Not rotten fruit, but rotten meat like this. This is a pretty foul, you know, unpleasant odor if, if, if it wasn't cannabis. <laughs> um, so, I, I, you know, I like that one. And there was... There's been a lot of like uh, Jamaicans and stuff like that that kind of had this weird off smell that or off flavor and stuff that were really bizarre. But that's one that I like. I'm not kidding. You know, like kind of a rotten fruit, rotten meat, you know, that that that, that area in there. Um, citrusy stuff I like. The Thai, the Thai um, you know, tends to tends to wane as it stores, you know. The, you know, the like when I when I grew that that chocolate tie that we had grown out on my friend's rooftop there. And, and it was like, Oh, this, this doesn't smell at all. Like the brown tie bud that we had smoked, you know, of the parent. It, it's entirely different. It's kind of citrusy and, and, uh, 
you know, a totally different thing. If you, and then if you store it and all that stuff kind of oxidizes and stuff, you'll, you'll get some really more complex uh, flavors and such out of it. But, you know, and I suspect with haze too, I would say, but, you know, when I find a good haze, I, I unfortunately don't have it or any around when it, when, you know, I'm still smoking that shit gone while, while it's still green. Cause you just, you don't reach for anything else. I mean, in more recent times, there's been a lot of discussion around the uh, usage and the benefits associated with an actual curing phase. And I guess most notably, one of the big companies in California and now in other states like Florida and a few others, the Jungle Boys, they their owner, Ivan, he famously came out and said they don't cure their weed at all. They think it's best as soon as it's harvest. Like as soon as it's dry and smokable, that's when it's best. Would you say that you think that's incorrect or do you think it's strain dependent? What's your take on a cure? Yeah. Um, the, everything's going to be different, you know, um, several, you know, modern plants will probably be, be best when they're relatively fresh and, you know, there's a bunch of them that might get better uh, with age. You know, I think it's going to be different from individual to individual for sure. Yeah, interesting. And with haze, are there any notable changes that take place with the cure? Like, obviously, the color changes. How does the effect change over time? I wouldn't know. I smoke that shit when it's fresh until it's gone, gone, gone. (laughs) But recently, I have seen people that, you know, have grown some of it out and, um, and we're just kind of meh about this one and, you know, kind of put it in the closet, you know, when it was fresh. And then they, they'll break it out months later and, and remember this plant being kind of meh and just to have it be incredible months and months later after it sits around and oxidizes some and re- reveals something that was, you know, there all the time lurking underneath once the main, you know, profile kind of dissipates. What's lying underneath and subtle at, at first often is like really, really unique and, and beautiful. And that's what Thai was for me and, and the brown Hawaiian and stuff and Jamaican, you know, none of these uh, stuff that that we were getting in imports back then was fresh. You know, it all it all had months um, and and shit gets really interesting when, when, it, when, it, when it has that. But, you know, if you only have a pound of it or something. You're, and it's the best thing, you know, by far, you're, you're just going to go through it. You're not going you know, to get to that stage to realize it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. At least I don't. <laughs> Let me give you a hypothetical, right? You've just been hired to uh, consult for a Thai company and they say, look, we've got like this facility. We can do outdoor, we can do indoor, we can do whatever. You tell us what to do. What do you think we should do? What would you say? Would would you say that they should grow land race stuff? Are you going to tell them modern? How would you help them? <laughs> In Thailand, yeah, I really liked it. I liked it that what they're doing there. You know, good for them. It's pretty ballsy in that area of the world. You know, I would go on a gene pool search there locally. You know, I would go on a germplasm hunt there locally and try to turn up something that was that was you know worth the, worth the name of how good that stuff can really be. Um, I, I have my doubts that uh, the stuff that they're working with, you know, it's probably some Laotian, some Laos stuff or something that's kind of mediocre. 
as time became at, in the end there. But I, I, I want to believe that the old seed is still there and I would go on a hunt for it, you know? I'd, uh, <laughs> I'd hire a bunch of hookers and, and tuk-tuk drivers. It's up there, somebody, in Uncle Bill's attic, you know? The, the old seed has to be around somewhere. I wouldn't even pass go until I found something worth talking about. And I kind of suspect they didn't wait for that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it would be really cool to see like some uh terroir land race tie stuff coming out. I think I think there's probably going to realistically end up being a mix of both, right? Because, you know, USA hybrids are, are popular worldwide, no doubt about that. But um that's really interesting to to hear that's that you would be keen to do that. That's really cool. Just to take us back to the the breeding sort of questions for a moment. I wanted to ask you a lot of people talk about selecting a male around this sort of paradigm of hemp trait versus drug trait. And like, you know, just to give you a common example, they'll say the really fast flowering male that wants to put out ball sacks first, that's like a hemp trait associated male. Like it's probably not your best male. Whereas we've heard earlier that like you're not going to cull that male, you keep it around because it's got something to offer, which is interesting. So I'm curious to know, do you buy into the hemp trait, drug trait paradigm, or do you think like they're all drug trait, really? Um, I think that, that that those traits are inherited separately, and um, and that's why I don't call them. But yeah, you know, yeah, I, 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 that's a correlation that I that I that I don't believe. You know, I've had early plants uh, that were in that were very high in potency. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't make that association. I wouldn't bet on it, pal, I guess would be my answer to that, man. Uh, I, I'm not buying it, hemp trait. Um, you know, no, the, the, I, I believe those, those characters to be inherited separately. Yeah, cool. That's an interesting answer. Okay. So what sort of males do you like besides resinous one? Is there any sort of profile you like, or it's just independent and each strain is its own thing? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't try to even judge them too much. I, I just go for numbers when it comes to males. I have for you know decades too. Um, I've, I've always been a big fan of the male pollen mix, and uh, you know resin. You know, if, uh, you know re- resin's worth something to me. You know, but other than that, I, I really I can't think of anything else that I would even dare to try to place importance on. Okay. Well, I mean, while we're talking about importance, do you have a sort of like a hierarchy of traits you like to breed for? And I guess notably, someone like DJ Short has sort of always commonly said everything is secondary to the effect. So he's sort of saying like, I don't care what it looks like. If the effect is good, then that's it. Do you feel like, oh, you know, you've got, you got to sort of like balance different aspects. It's got to yield okay, blah, blah, blah. Where do you fall on that one with your trait hierarchy? Well, you know, um, it's uh, it's like I said before, your favorite's going to change several times, you know, throughout that cycle. And then once more at the end, when you smoke it, when it's in the pipe, your favorite changes again every time. Um, and that's the most important thing. But you should be you should be growing and breeding your favorites. Um, I like to see a plant that grows well and stuff like that. But but I'll trade all that for something that's better smoke. And, and that's why, you know, that's, I think, the only thing that you can really say is your favorite, right? So, yeah, I agree with DJ on that. 
uh, you know, I'll judge other plants. Uh, certainly, like when I'm when I'm shit canning or calling clone material from growing in depths or something, you know, like I despise a plant that can't hold itself up. You know, I you know have a bunch of other criteria that I'm very picky about and such. But when it comes to breeding seed, you know, um, you know, if you're if you're just talking about the average guy, I you mean, know, I hope that they're breeding for the best smoke. Um, I don't give a shit about anything else. Uh, I don't think anybody else should either. Here, here, I agree. And I wanted to touch on the X18 specifically because I think out of your strains, it's known for having a very unique flavor profile as well as being like a fairly quality Pakistani all round. I was always interested, you know, the apple phenotype is sort of referenced here and there and it, it's like an interesting flavor because it's not really apparent in many modern strains, the apple flavor. What's X18 like to you? How do you describe it and what are your, what are you fond of about it? Uh, it's just, it's a, it's one of the ones that still, you know, that still survive of what it was like, you know, in the old days. That's That plant's been grown here in this neighborhood where I'm sitting right now for, you know, since the early or mid 80s or something, I guess. It's, um, it's a very old and, and divergent and not related to anything that's, you know, that's going around in the, in the modern gene pool uh, for the most part, you know. Um, so it's unique in that way. It's different. You know, it's not, it's not going to rip your fucking head off like, uh, you know, like some of the OGs would or something. Um, but it's certainly unique. And, um, and that's where something, you know, you know, uh, to a lot of people, sort of something to me because, you know, that's what, that's how you get that, you know, transgressive segregation is, you know, you need plants that are divergent from each other. It's not going to happen when you're breeding brother to sister or something. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, to me, one of the things I like about your offerings is that there's sort of a few Pakistanis in the mix with the pine tar kush also. I always got the impression Pakistanis sort of didn't get enough credit because they've got that real cerebral aspect to the Indica High, which is really underrated in my opinion. Have you been like a big fan of the Pakistanis? Do you do you favor them or where do you sit on it? Yes, and I, you know, for the exact same reason, I think that you know a lot of the Pakistanis have probably likely been outcrossed to some really cerebral Indian at some point in the distant past, you know? Um, and uh, I, I also do find them more cerebral than a lot of the, certainly than most of the Afghans uh, that I've come across are more of a sleepy, you know, dreary, lethargic high. Whereas the Pakis are, or the Pakistanis are, are uh, you know, much more cerebral and up, which, which I've always liked. I always like, that's what I'm looking for in pretty much everything that I smoke. Yeah, it's interesting that, like, for the longest time, I, I thought you must have been, like, a real Indica head because, like, on paper, it seems like there's these Indica offerings, but, like, it's more the cerebral stuff you like. It's uh, sort of ironic. Oh, those are the ones that I capped anyway, yeah. Yeah. I, um, like, there's a lot of, you know, people, you know, like like this, you know, Purple Oracle and some of, some of these old broadleaf from up here. And stuff but for me they just make me sleepy and um and yeah it's not it's not where i'm at 
What is what's your thoughts on the Urkel? It's got a really big rise in popularity over the past years. Have you grown it, and what do you think the genetics are? Oh, we used to grow it. We used to grow it uh, quite a bit. You know, some I don't know, twenty years ago or something. Um, that's a pretty old one. That's been around forever, and uh, it's. I, th- I thought. I thought I remember it coming off of Salmon Creek or somewhere up in there, up in Humboldt. But I'm not sure. I think it was introduced to me as like a Salmon Creek's version of the Monkey Balls or something. You know, the old, you know, the DC. Like it's, it was there Broadleaf up there. Real flavorful. It's got a nice grape flavor. Um, it breeds really well. It's you know relatively relatively homozygous and crosses out well um, to a lot of stuff. And uh, but but yeah, it makes me sleepy. I, I smoke that stuff and it's just kind of. You know, it's not not very potent and it kind of makes me sleepy it didn't float my boat um you know so i stopped growing it yeah okay interesting interesting and uh we had a lot of listeners uh, chime in that were hoping to hear about and i noticed this myself that dna for a while was offering the x18 what was the backstory behind that hmm. um i think it was on one of the uh forums or something you know they just got up with me i don't remember what happened i think i sent them a bunch of pollen and some seeds or something though and they did some crosses and might may have done some reproduction i don't i don't really know but i do remember it was like the only people that i ever sent any pollen out to you know because they were into it and i was like yeah well okay i just happened to have a you know big bindle of pollen right here of it you know i was because i was you know doing some breeding with it myself at the time I think they did some crosses originally, um, and and you know, and I probably sent them seed as well. Um, so I didn't really follow it, but I I know that did happen. Ah, okay, cool. Well, I guess like you're sort of confirming it's like it's authentic. It's not just like random seed they found. Yeah, I would I I would hope not. I I don't see why it would be. I did have you know I did send them a package at one point way back when. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So, what would your advice be for a new breeder who's looking to get into it? A lot of people talk these days about how it's also a poly hybrid that, you know, like we're, we're not getting anywhere with it. How can someone like get their toes wet while also actually progressing towards something from your point of view? Well, I mean, slam a, you know, you develop a library of your favorite things and keep them separate and you know and and try to cross together things that are the most far apart from each other the most divergent you know and try to get into these recombination generations and find something unique and extreme you know is is basically where all breeding starts um that's ground zero that's what i would do and and make it be something that you like forget about what you think people are gonna like just focus on what you actually honestly like and and you know that way you're more likely to not not lose it and um and that's that's what's really worth something i think you trust your own taste and and uh and just you know do your own thing and if it's you know if other people agree with that then you know you'll 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 be a winner yeah beautiful stuff i wonder what do you think would be a good place to start genetics-wise out of Southeast Asia? Do you think just go for Thai? 
No, I think that, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of places around there. I would just scour that whole, that whole area, including, you know, places like reunion Island and stuff. And, and, you know, uh, Hawaii is probably totally different today. They're probably growing white runs and stuff out there now, <laughs> but, um, but there's probably some pockets, you know, over, over there and, in, in that, in that region that still have some really good stuff, you know, uh, Vietnam, even places like this, that it probably all came, you know, from bitch and Thai, but, uh, it, you know, it held on a little better while the tide got bred into the ground. That would, that would be a rich hunting ground for me. I might, you know, I don't know what things are like in Jamaica anymore. Um, Colombia, maybe, you know, some of the, some of the more Southern parts of Mexico on the Caribbean side, there might be some good stuff down in there. But I don't know, you know. I sm I do know I smoked some kick-ass Colombian in Costa Rica, you know, not you know not too many decades ago, uh, late nineties, around around you know around two thousand or something. I smoked some really nice Colombian uh, that this guy had in Costa Rica, uh, that was extremely cerebral and very auditory and and excellent. So you know, I still have hope that there's good shit in all these places. And, you know, hopefully they, they turn up from time to time. You got to trust that the cream's going to rise to the top. And if they're good, they'll, they'll probably stick around. But people do appreciate them these days more, it seems like. Yeah, I think Colombians are certainly on the rise at the moment. They've been a, a focal discussion point. I, uh, I would love to see more in circulation. Do you have any Colombian seed stock? No, I don't. Just uh, just the haze is the only narrow leaf tropical that I that I have that I'm growing. There's some stuff in neighborhood, like I said, that Hawaiian and and you know you probably try that stuff out. But I've smoked some of it from the guy and eh, <laughs> I'll stick with haze. <laughs> Do you ever like try to search out certain seed stock, or are you more sort of wait for it to come to you? Yeah, no, I, I have what I have, and that's probably all I'm ever going to, you know, bother to reproduce. I enjoy, you know, I enjoy clones, whatever the neighbors are growing. It's always exciting to smoke, but I don't think I'm, I would, I don't think I'm breeding new stuff. It's not really in the cards. Occasionally a plant comes along that, you know, uh, that I really like and, and the market stops agreeing with me. And I know that I'll probably not be growing it, you know? for very much longer and I'll do like a quick back crossing, you know, thing on it and put some seed away of it, <laughs> you know, like um, I did that with the Mendo Docs OG cut that I really like because it gr grows so well in a depth, but the market got burnt out on it and then everybody shit canned it. And I was like, well, but wait, but wait, this is a good plant. Forget, forget about your taste, you know, about wanting something new. Forget you're burned out on it. It's a good plan guys. And then, so I'll do a quick, you know, sh you know, either self it, or do a quick back cross program and make sure to, you know, try to save stuff that I like that I think the, that the market's just sick of and, and, and uh, we'll probably come around back around to at a later date. Ah, that's interesting. What plants have you selfed out of curiosity? I guess it's a reflection of what you think's good. Yeah, as well, I selfed that one we just mentioned, the docks, and that was a couple of years ago. 
Um, I'm still growing it by clone, but the market has certainly turned sour on it. We shoved it down everybody's throat for probably a decade here. It's probably, you know, one of the most popular ones that that people were growing in hoops for for a long, long time. The market was so saturated that the buyer said, nah, no more of that. You know, so people stop growing it, but but I still am. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still grow it just because I like that. I like the way the plant grows and produces, and it's got a it's got a good high. You know, it ticks off a lot of boxes. You know, no, it's not the original this or that, but here's a plant that does what it does really well. Um, you know, comes in early, all that shit. You know, it's a grower's dream. Ah, uh, interesting. And when you when you back cross something. Do you have any particular thoughts on what sort of pollen donor you use? Like, for example, some people say use a pollen donor that's very different to the plant you're crossing to just because it's easy to phenotypically, like, cull those plants out in the F1. Do you have any thoughts like that? I would use something that yeah that you also like, <laughs> and I wouldn't have any, I wouldn't have any criteria after that. Um, it depends what you're doing. If you're like trying to isolate some trait and, and you know, that would, what you just said would be, you would do in a back crossing scheme, you, you know, something that would be easily, easily to know that, you know, it's not coming from this parent, it's coming from this parent, you know, if the two plants, if the donor parent is, is very divergent from the recurrent parent, then you're going to easily, you know, separate traits from each parent, but that but that's never like my I I use bat crossing just as a dirty quick way to keep this this pool of genetics. <laughs> I love that a dirty quick way of keeping it. That's good. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that's what it is. You know, I mean, brilliant. Some people like you know get a bit sort of how can I say it? They take issue with S ones and they would say, oh, BX one's way better. Do you have any issues with S ones or you think like, nah, they're good. They do what I need it to do. Yeah. Yeah. I have no problem with, with selfie plants. Uh, it depends what you want, you know, but it's, there's no inherent, uh, you know, bad thing about it or problem with it or argument against it. If you're trying to, you know, capture something as quickly and as dirty, dirtily as possible, you you would sell it, um, you know. You know, you, boom over one generation. Now I can store the seeds and and readdress it at some later date. You know, uh, well, you know why 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 take what'd you say, first generation back cross versus BC ones? You say that takes what one two three. You know, it takes a few generations. Um, uh, there's no extra points for taking longer to get to the same place. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, I've thought that. I mean, you're sort of hovering around the idea of like some people would use that same analogy to say we should be using like labs to help us analyze things. Do you feel like there's any need to use like high-tech lab stuff? What's your thoughts on labs? <laughs> In a, you know, I don't know. This is, this is going to be a tough one. In a perfect world, like, you know, I mean, if I have my own, I, I, I might use it a little bit, but... Uh, I wouldn't rely on. I would. I'd proceed with caution. Let's say, you know, I, I, most labs, you know, a guy has some weed, sends it to three labs, and uh, whatever one tells him he has the highest THC, that this is his favorite lab that he goes to from now on. Labs know this, and they inflate numbers. These are some of the shiftiest motherfuckers in the whole in the whole industry right now. 
and uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't rely on the information um, too much. And I the other you know you know because because it's you know it's kind of a scam you know and the labs know this they want to make money they're going to kick out these high numbers for you you know so they have a giant customer base it's a business don't kid yourself these these guys are can be shifty too um so i don't trust it for that reason and, and uh and and more you know shit you know we could be wrong about you know about this being such an important deal you know high thc or something we could be entirely wrong about that there there could be giant pieces of the puzzle that are still missing and um i you know i still think that the first bag that disappears out of the group of your samples that's the best weed and i don't care what a lab says especially if there's room for human error and you know uh that's like asking somebody else you know what you should smoke you know i mean i think that's a judgment that you should make in the old-fashioned way and be very leery about uh having these numbers drive your drive your selections so we're this is like a, a really interesting discussion point because a lot of guests end up discussing this and how the market is being led too much by numbers and i guess when i think about it the issue that I see is that a lot of the really hardcore smokers and growers are very aware of this, but it's it's largely speaking the 80% of the casual consumer base, so to speak, that are driving a lot of the decisions and purchases through what is seemingly just looking at the numbers. So I guess the question becomes, how do we educate like the casual smokers out there that you do need to use your head? Because for a lot of them, it's sort of like they just want an easy metric to fall back on and the THC percentage seems to be that. Is it is it education or do you think like maybe the growers just need to force it on them by just saying, no, we're only growing this like haze? You do have to put up or shut up, you know, kind of thing. I mean, if the cream will rise to the top, if, if you have something that only tests at 17% or something and, and it just, and it fucking rips your head off and there's no denying it, That'll eventually cut through all, and you know, um, and become popular, and people people will smoke it and want it and covet it, and uh, and it'll 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 rise to the top. I don't think, uh, and, and all of this high THC stuff, it's kind of oh man, you know. Most of the time, I try these new things that are supposed to be all this and all that, and have this sticker with this big high number on it and stuff. It's like meh, you know, not 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 too much of it is what I would call you know, incredibly potent or cerebral. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. There is very much like a sentiment that there's like a same sameness about a lot of the modern stuff. Some of the notable older heads are like notably not a fan of like cookies and the, the derivatives of it. Are you, are you a bit like that? Do you feel like cookies is like the poster child for us backing ourselves into the corner, so to speak, or do you like it and some of the uh, offspring of it? Both. (laughs) (laughs) Both. I I think, I think it's too popular, you know, and it's driving too many people's uh, decisions in their selections. Um, because they want to get a piece of this popularity and stuff, but that, but that's grabbing this huge giant market share of of breeders' time and stuff, and they should be doing something else, man. But at the same time, you know, I've 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 enjoyed some very cerebral plants out of that gene pool, 
um, as well. And, it, you know, I think it's, it goes back to really the OG and plants like TK and stuff. These things are, are, are pretty good, man. Yeah, 100%. And the story that goes around about the TK is that it's essentially like two Hindus crossed together. Could you believe that? Oh, I don't know. I wouldn't even touch. I'd rather try to touch the moon than try to figure out the lore of fucking cannabis that everybody is so, you know, obsessed with, the history of this and that, you know, um, because it doesn't matter, you know. What matters is it's a really great plant. It breeds, you know, it breeds really well. And um, why speculate on what we don't know? It would be, I guarantee it would be a guess that we don't know what it is. So why the fuck guess about it? You know, that's silly. (laughs) I like it. I like it. So I wanted to ask you, you know, you've grown up during what would be arguably the golden years of Northern California being in the Mendocino area. What's it been like to live there over the years? And what are some of the interesting changes you've seen unfold? Um, you know, not much has changed, you know, when you don't go anywhere kind of thing. <laughs> it's a beautiful place to be. Um, and it just has a really good vibe. And and you can live your and you can live your life you know in peace, um, you know. There's when when you know medical came out and stuff. Oh, oh, you know, a bunch of new guards came up here and guys with dollar signs in their eyes and stuff. But that's you know that's fading away now too. Um, I I just really enjoy it. It's it's peaceful, you know. You can you can live how you want. And that's really important to me. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know you're fairly self-sufficient. Do you like that sort of more isolated lifestyle being up there? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, people, they're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Plants and animals, sure. You know, I, I love both of those things. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a hermit in that regard. I have a bit of autism and and um i'm perfectly fine to to be for long periods of time by myself i've done some single-handed sailing you know too and enjoy that a lot oh tell us about the sailing that sounds cool well back in i think it was 99 or 97 99 i um bought a sailboat and um sailed from california down through you know mexico and central america down to costa rica and and came back a couple of years later. You know, it took like took some time to uh, to do some sailing, some you know, through the tropics and such. It was good fun. Ah, is that when you got to try that infamous Colombian? Um, no, actually, I tried the Colombian on a just a previous uh, plane plane ride trip down there, looking at property. The real estate guy was the guy who actually had it. And boy, what a sales technique. Get you all high on Columbia and take you for a walk through the tropical, you know, properties that he had for sale. <laughs> You'd be like, wow, man. But yeah, it was a real estate guy in the, in the western uh, side of, of Costa Rica. But that, yeah, that was, that was previous to when I sailed down there. About, I sailed down there about 10 years after or something. Yeah, okay. Interesting, interesting. And I mean, if we jump back to sort of the growing up in the Emerald 
triangle, so to speak. A, a lot of focal discussion takes place around like the legal changes that have occurred over the past 10 years, how some people have been forced out of the industry and even out of the area in general. Do you feel like there are any changes needed to the current sort of regulations and legal landscape? Or do you think it's like, you know, it's just about the cream rising to the top? Well, I think, you know, that's going to happen regardless. And I don't know. I don't. I think it would be wasted effort to to try to change anything. There, there are people that are crying, you know, about big money coming in and stuff. Uh, but now there's big money. It's crying, you know, packing its bags and heading back down to the city. So um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't pretend to know what to change. You know, nobody's getting busted and going to jail now for long periods of time. That's good. Um, you know, whatever else comes with that is just tough shit. Yeah, certainly, certainly. I think it's definitely the number one metric we need to take into account despite how uh, incomes might be affected. But um, I wanted to ask you because I'm invariably going to get hassled if I don't. If people wanted to get your seeds, is there a way they can get them? Are they available at all? Um, I don't, you know, I don't know if any of these banks still have seed stock there's a lot of people that have done reproductions and stuff i think yeah i don't know i'm certainly not doing it anymore you know you know i still pass out seeds to friends and stuff and sometimes friends will do a reproduction too i I think i think it's up there at csi did maybe a ptk one or something you know and that's good it's got you know and and he does a good job you know i mean I, i if i was me I would have no problem going to them, you know. I've seen some really good haze uh, stuff out there too that have been done by other people. The business is just—it's not for me, really. I'd rather breed—I'd rather breed dogs. (laughs) Uh, Tell me, what dogs do you breed? Um, uh, British working terriers, like Patterdale and and Jack Russell and and Lakeys. Um, You know, digging dogs. Work, working dogs of the, you know, terriers from, from Britain, from UK. Ah, uh, that's brilliant. Have you got any on your property now? In Asia I, is, where, is, is where I do it. You know, I have a farm or, you know, place there, and they have a big rat problem. I mean, it's something like, I don't know, up to 20% or something per year of their rice crop is just demolished by rats. You'll see them out there with a stick of bamboo swatting at rats in the, in, the, in the fields, you know, trying to kill rats like that. And I'm just thinking, oh, there's got to be a better way, man. <laughs> so, I, so I imported a bunch of kick-ass little terriers from the, from the UK, you know, to Asia to try to help out the farmers there with their, with their rat problem in a more, uh, you know, efficient manner. That's cool. Do you have like a little base you've set up over there, like where you go and spend time every so often? Oh, I have children there and, and family there. Oh, wow. That's cool. I don't think anyone knew that. Yeah, yeah. In, in the Philippines, I have two, uh, two children. Fantastic. And do you just alternate between California and there? Yeah, as much as possible. I mean, the, the whole COVID thing uh, kind of screwed us up a whole bunch, didn't it? You know, travel is 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 more difficult financially too. You know, now everybody's busy working, you know, and and not 
taken off around the world as as much as they'd like, including me. Yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly. It must be tough. How long has it been since you've been able to get back there? Oh, it's been just, I think, two two years now. Well, 2021. I'm hoping to get over there this fall. But, yeah, it's been a good two years now. That, that whole country was on lockdown for, God, for several months. And and when when I came back here the last time from there, I barely got out of the country. And um, I was like, you know, I mean, it was the only plane that left that day. Everything else was canceled, canceled, canceled down the list. I was really lucky to get out. And then for a while, I was sca- it was still teetering on the edge, and I was scared to get, can I go back and get stuck there, and and you know, and not be able to be here at work where I need to be, <laughs> things like that. So. But I hope to get back this year. Things they seem to everything has settled down quite a bit now, uh, as far as you know, worldwide travel goes. Yeah, certainly, certainly. I'm curious to know how do you find the difference in climate? Do you do you feel like you've adapted to the heat? Um. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's hotter here, but it is it is humid there. But you know, it's only like low nineties. Whereas, you know, here, the other, a few days ago, I mean, it was a record-breaking heat day, but it was 110 here the other day, um, and it was hot. I mean, your water your water, water bottle jug that you had beside you all day, by the time 6 or 7 o'clock in the evening rolled around, you'd take a swig off of it, and you'd be, damn, this water if it feels hot in my mouth. <laughs> That's how hot it was. <laughs> and it's never like that there. And, you know, where I'm at, it's kind of coastal, and it gets a breeze, and you know, there's a little elevation, so it's not too bad where I'm at. Okay, nice. That's cool to hear. That's cool to hear. On a sort of unrelated note, I wanted to ask you, I've always loved the names of your lines. I think like Deep Chunk and Pintar Kush, they're like, they're cool names. Where did these names come from? Um, Pintar Kush was just my, my um, you know, like I, I always called it D15 you know, or whatever the chemist calls it. I called them all by numbers. And um, I know, you know, I kind of felt like that wouldn't do, you know, <laughs> for people <laughs> when, I, when I passed them out. So I tried to, you know, describe them. And, you know, the the first, the early time I was passing out the deep chunk, where, you know, it would be called monkey balls. Because that's what, it, you know, it used to be called, you know, a friend of mine named it that actually. It's a, you know, there's a tree that grows all over, uh, suburbia united states that that when it seeds it drops these like round golf balls onto the sidewalks everywhere and we used to skid on them when we were on our skateboards and you know you know people would have fights with them throwing them at at each other you know all over the small towns of america and and that nickname for this this, these round balls that cover sidewalks and and streets and entire neighborhoods are it's just a shade tree. It's not good for much else, I don't think. But, but the nickname for them, these these round balls are monkey balls. So my friend said he got any more of those monkey balls one day, and it was pretty funny. We kept the name uh, for a long, long time. Right before I put it out, out there in public to people from like Overgo and such, um, I had seen like I think it was like a South Park cartoon or something, where where they actually said Jesus Christ, monkey balls. Or something. So then I looked up monkey balls. I'm like, fucking, where, where, where'd they get this from? And um, and monkey balls. It was what? It was a video game, right? 
And I was like, fuck, I'm going to get sued, right? By this fucking video game. <laughs> game people. I can't fucking release this shit under the handle monkey balls. Right? Some stupid Nintendo or somebody, right? It's going to come after me. So I changed it to deep chunk on the fly real quick before I put it out there to the public. Um, the X18 was one that my, my the chemist called number 18, and I was just too lazy to come up with a name for it. Um, the pine tar crush, you know, it does have some some uh, piney and tarry kind of things going on, and it's a broad leap, you know. So I just just threw it out there. Beautiful. I love the name Deep Chunk. That's a, a flash of creativity, if nothing else. I love it. Our uh, our buddy Caleb Inspector, he actually said at one point that after doing that Pintar Kush recreation and like having gotten a bit of experience with the line through seeing the numbers, he says he wouldn't be surprised if it's somehow in Urkel. Do you have any thoughts on this given you've seen both? Um, I don't know. I think they're probably both derived from, you know, similar shit from the, from the similar neighborhood up here. Inspector's always trying to find, you know, figure, figure shit out that he's never going to know for sure. You know, but why, why spend time on that? I, I don't know. It's certainly different from, you know, they're different, but they're the same type of plant. You know, these are just, uh, sir, you know, broadleafs from, from, from this region that, you know, that were around way back in the day. I'm talking late seventies, early eighties, you know, right from the beginning of the introductions to uh, broadleafs and up in these, up in these, you know, communities up here, they're both certainly survivors of that. But as to their relation, I don't know. Urkel's very different um, from it. But, uh, so I don't know. Yeah, sure. I understand. I understand. Out of curiosity, have you ever heard of Christmas tree bud or Christmas bud? Oh, sure. Yeah, that was uh, that was um, stuff that we used to get around Christmas time back down in Southern California. It would come in. It would come in late, um, at least the one that I remember. We used to call it Christmas bud, um, and uh, it was uh, also called something else. I think it was a Three River Sativa or something. Come out of the like Yosemite region, or not Yosemite, but uh, what's that other national park down there? Sequoia <laughs> in the foothills of this uh, national park. Uh, you know, east, east northeast of LA. You know, they, there was a growing community called Three Rivers, and there was some late sativa that came out of there. It would always be in by Christmas. And that's what me and my, you know, people that I knew down there, we used to call it Christmas bud. Uh, okay. The reason I ask is because I'd heard some people, I can't remember who, I wish I could credit them, compare the Christmas bud to PTK. And I guess, like, someone was sort of saying, like, are they the same thing? Maybe they're just similar sort of Pakistanis, I guess, really. Yeah, who knows? So I, I, if, if we might be talking about a different, wholly different, totally different term, you know, this uh, this Three River Sativa that that we used to get down in LA, um, that certainly didn't smell like a Christmas tree. If if that's what these other, if that's what this other Christmas, you said Christmas tree bud, it's probably something probably something entirely different. Um, but, uh, the PTK does have some of that type of, some, some of those type of profiles in it for sure. You know, kind of, kind of a piney piney thing going on and, but it's, it's pretty variable still too, you know, I mean, it's pretty raw that one. 
the X-18, I think, was more uh, stable uh, from of the chemists, you know, of those two. I think that the PTK is still, still pretty raw. There's probably lots of good stuff in it, you know. Yeah, interesting. And did you ever try any of, like, the fabled Northern Lights clones that circulated the Mendo area in, like, the 90s? Like, and did you, were you a fan of it, if so? Oh, well, we... <laughs> Up on this road where I'm at, um, everybody had it in seed form. Um, it was, you know, everybody was growing from Northern Lights from seed, feminized seed, mind you, um, from, you know, stressed out rooms and stuff. And that stuff came out really uniform um, and sold real well. But yeah, most people grow, grew Northern Lights from seed. None of the clones. Um, you know, five, two, all, all these ones um, that everybody else knows of. Um, we're up here that I know of, but the, everybody had you Northern Lights and seed and seed farm up here, and they and they used that because it was all female seed that they kept on you know producing in their rooms. You know, it would throw a couple of seeds, and as you're smoking or whatever, you'd save your seeds from it, and you'd end up with a pile of these Northern Light seeds. And you'd fucking grow them again, and there'd be it would, it would be a way to without cloning, run all female uh, rooms up here. That happened for years and years and years and years. Um, I know several people that grew Craig and Lester's um, Northern Lights line. That's what we call it up here. Um, they've both passed away now, so it's okay to say their name. <laughs> but these two brothers had an epic Northern Lights uh, line up here on on the hill where I'm at. And that that was that, that was like the earliest thing that anybody was growing up here, and they and they did that for years and years and years. Later, you know, a few people would try out some white widow or something, but uh, then the northern light seed from the hill here was was a staple for like, you know, the first decade of indoor growing up here. Big generator grows, you know, it's with sixty light rooms and such. And what was the the bud like? It was pretty much. Um, Looked very similar um, to this, that one up in Canada, BCCC or something. Um, I've seen photos of some pretty legit looking Northern Lights, but it's very resinous, but it's another one with these small resin heads, man. And it was pretty lightweight, I have to say. It didn't get you super high. I mean, it was serviceable smoke for sure, but it was one of these ones that were, that faked you out, man. Looked like a sea of resin. But um, they were empty nests, man. Nobody was home upstairs. They're small one-bedroom apartment. <laughs> it had small resin heads, man. Um, I, I didn't particularly like it. I still have some of the seed here, and, and you know, but they don't, they don't, they won't germinate for me anymore. They're that old. But um, but I save them anyway. We might be able to get them back that way, you know, via other tissue culture or something one day. So I save seeds, even if they don't, even if they don't won't germinate for me anymore. But yeah, there's a there's a famous old one up here, up in the hills, but I don't remember the the clones. I remember a thing that the Northern Lights didn't grow anywhere near ex, as good outdoor as it performed indoor. You know, you you weren't gonna like try to try to grow giant plants of it or something. It it lacked bigger compared to a lot of other stuff that we we were growing outdoor back then. Um, it didn't produce as much. It was just a smaller plant, you know, less bigger. Um, it was decent, serviceable weed, but it was kind of a morning smoke, you know, it wasn't going to floor you. 
it's a great breeding plant. Uh, you know, have no doubt about that. We've we've seen you know, gazillion hybrids with it in it, that are good. You know, so it's a great. You know, nothing to say that nothing bad about. It. It's it's a it's a famous and 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 excellent plant that's that's certainly been valuable to the gene pool. I think, um, but you know, I mean, it, it itself as a line, eh, it was okay. You know. I more value it for its breeding worth, probably. Yeah, wow. You read my mind when you said, you know, you're still sitting on it even though they won't germ. I was curious to know, do you have any other notable seeds in your collection that are, like, special to you, even though they may not germ, but, you know, yeah, memorable for one reason or another? Yeah, well, I still have all those... Uh, orig- the pro- the uh, I think the original... Uh, PTK stuff, the stuff that went back to all that Cripple Creek, that's getting pretty old now. That was like, I don't know, 2000 or something. Might have been even been from the late 90s or something. Those probably won't sprout anymore, but, I, but I'm going to throw them away. Um, let's see. There's some old, I have some old Reunion Island stuff that probably won't sprout but I won't throw it away, <laughs> you know, um, that old Northern Lights line, um, some old Salmon Creek uh, hybrids probably. You know, yeah, I have, I have a few that I know that I know like that can won't sprout and then, um, but, I, but I refuse to throw them away. I'm just a, you know, a seed junkie, I guess. And I, they might be worth something later. I can't throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And uh, were there ever any notable clones that went through the area that were really special to you that have just been lost to time? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, some of the great outdoor performers, you know, I wish people had kept, had held on to, uh, you know, the Salmon Creek, you know, uh, I, I even I miss the blue dream sometimes to be honest people are gonna laugh but that was an okay plant old faithful got you high you know um I'm there with you I thought it was great yeah yeah I mean it wasn't it wasn't you know I mean there's there's a certain there was a certain what what I call muddiness to the high it wasn't like crystal clear and stuff it was it was kind of a little bit um you know f- fuzzy and and cloudy I would say of a high. But uh, it was certainly potent, and man, man, that plant's bomb-proof. It grow right through a snowstorm. Hell yeah! And I mean, given you were in the area, did you ever like you know you hear stories about the famous Brothers of Eternal Love and stock coming from the early stuff they brought in? Did you ever see any of that, or do you think that's sort of a bit more fabled? I have no idea. Um, I, don't, I don't have a any opinions about that that's mostly that's i'm I'm not probably quite that old that's like sam skunk man old (laughs) (laughs) i'm not quite i'm not quite i'm getting up there but i'm not there yet um i do know that there is lots of really really good shit in you know i mean california and you know um surfers you know they smoke weed (laughs) and uh california has always been a great big fan of weed um and there was some really good shit that, that got shipped into California ports, you know, due to that. And, uh, you know, there was great Mexicans and there was, and there was crappy Mexicans too. Um, but that was probably the, the, you know, the, the most popular, um, or the most, you know, 
of what was there. Or they would get the Jamaicans, the Thai, the Hawaiian, you know, all this stuff came in occasionally. And there was some really, really great stuff um, here in California always, you know, and it's allowed us to like, you know, kind of a be, be a, a kind of a place where, you know, things thrived for a long time. Yeah, interesting. And I mean, I don't think you've mentioned it, so I'll just ask and get it out of the way. Do you ever have you ever had any experience with like African strains? Do you have a spot in your heart for them? What's your thoughts? I grew a Malawi up here one time um, during the late '80s, and it and it fucking it was a intersex you know nightmare that was all seeded and just gave me a headache, and uh, and I threw it I threw it in the toilet. But I probably wish I didn't, I would say, you know, if I probably should have, you know, if I if I had known, I would have probably grabbed some of those seeds and set them aside, you know, but, the, you know, the one time I had a look at some African here, it didn't work out and I quickly called it. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Not as much success as with some of the hazes. Yeah. Um there and there's some you know before before the broadleaves came up here everybody was growing mexican you know the earlier mexicans you know there was there's definitely two different kinds of mexican um you had your you know your really trippy cerebral you know ones that were down from further south on the on the on the mediterranean or on the on the caribbean side and then you had this northern mexican stuff that came in real early and it was like the bulk of what got shipped north um, through california it was lower quality but some of that stuff came in early and you could finish it in Northern California, you know, way better than the ties and everything else. Um, so, you know, early on, that's what most people were growing up here with some Mexican. Um, there's, there were some good ones of those around. Um, and I saved one. I, th- I forgot what the hell happened to that thing. I guess I don't have it now, but I had it, you know, 20 years ago or something, sent it to somebody. I forget who, uh, I don't remember. Anyway. Wow, very interesting, very interesting. So we had some of our listeners, as well as myself, were curious. You sort of have had a a bit of a notable absence in the community for a few years. Are you willing to share any insight about what you've been doing in that time or why you decided to take some time away? Yeah, you know, I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's, there's good people, um, that I've met from those places, uh, from the, you're talking about the forums. Yeah, there's some great, I've met some great friends, um, you know, getting involved with all that. But there's, but there's also some, you know, there's some real filth that somehow for some reason seems to get attracted to this, to, to the whole, to the whole scene, man. Um, and it, it kind of freaks me out a little bit, you know, um, uh, that, that not everybody has your best interest in mind. So I, so I just don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I felt like I had to have a presence there when I passed out a bunch of genetics, you know, and made available a bunch of genetics. I felt I owed it to people, you know, to try to to try to, you know, say something about them, help them with them or whatever. But um, but I felt like those dudes, you know, that, that uh, you know, that I've done that. And um, and other than that, it's like eh, it kind of gives me the willies to even to even go there I, I feel the same way about going to europe you know i mean i um i'm just uncomfortable in that in that in that scenario kind of you know i don't like being the center of attention although 
you know, I'll get drunk on some beer and just kick my foot in poor Gypsy's front door and just raise hell until, you know, and fly off the handle. It doesn't bother me, you know, when I'm hammered. <laughs> but uh, when, when, when I'm sober and, and probably have something to actually add, it just, yeah, you know, doesn't even, I'm not even attracted anymore, you know? Um, I wanted to ask you, there's actually a notable clone that goes around like the NorCal area. It's Chem D cross to Tom Hills Hayes. Have you ever heard or seen of that one by any chance? Never have. That's, that's awesome though. Um, that somebody's taking the time to, you know, to actually set aside a clone. I think that's fucking bitching. I'd love to, I'd love to check it out. But yeah, I, ha- I have not heard that. There you go. Yeah, we'll have to put the feelers out for it. Try to get it into your hands. It'd be cool. <laughs> uh, so I I wanted to ask you, a bit unrelated, but um, what is what's your thoughts of Sam? You know, Sam often gets scapegoated as like a bit of a villain by some people, but it sounds like you're more of the school of thought that I am, which is that he's you know maybe done more than anyone. Where do you fall on that one? What's your thoughts on Mr. David Watson? Oh, he's, he's, you know, he's, uh, there's, there's not many that have done what he's done, uh, for the, for the community and, and the worldwide gene pool and stuff, you know, he's made available stuff that people, you know, would have never even, you know, had to, I mean, what were they doing in Holland when he showed up? I think they were smoking some dirty hash from Morocco or somewhere mixed with tobacco. So, yeah, I think he's, I think he's a good man and, and, uh, and honest and all that, you know, um, I don't, I don't think, he, you know, I'll give him hell when I'm hammered, but, um, but I, but I think for the most part, this guy's, this guy's great and, and his friend Rob, you know, I think those guys are, are, are absolutely, you know, excellent, uh, ambassadors of, of, of cannabis. Yeah. Hear, 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 hear. I should have asked you this one a, a bit earlier when we were talking about, you know, sort of being in the NorCal area, but I wanted to hear your thoughts on the idea of like clones degrading over time and people speculate like maybe it's like genetic drift or like deterioration. What's your thoughts? Do you think that clones degrade over time and like, do you think it's possible to stop that through like maybe keeping them like really happy their whole lives? Where do you fall on this? Well, I think that time itself is it won't degrade them. I think we're, that we're actually talking about pathogens um, that that you know eventually get them, and uh, and and they'll succumb to them, and and they'll put out less performance. And that's just a a fact of cannabis. Unfortunately, it doesn't last as long as a, a grape clone or something else. You, you you probably clean it up in the lab, and all that stuff's possible and such, but. Yeah, it doesn't just deteriorate and fall apart genetically. Uh, anyway, you know, I mean, I mean, you might have drift or something. Or, fuck, I don't even know. I, yeah, no, I, I don't see it happening. Um, I, I think this is, we're talking about pathogens that just, you know, eventually the plant succumbs to. Have you ever heard people talk about dudding? Yeah, same thing, same thing. Um you know, these are likely pathogens that have, you know, taken hold of the plant and, and fucked up its performance. Yeah, I know that um, in the community, the hoplatin viroid is like largely considered the source of that. But I guess, you know, being secluded and growing from seed, you probably don't really encounter much about that, do you? 
No, um, I don't. Uh, when I'm growing from seed, and and and, and luckily, I haven't. You know, I haven't had any bad problems uh, from clone either. And I, I don't know. I don't know how well I hear that's widespread, but I'm probably pretty removed from, you know, what everybody else is kind of working with. Um, I'm not going down and, you know, buying clones from the dispensary or whatever. Yeah, true advantage. The uh, The ultimate quarantine. I love it. I love it. So I think that brings us to our quickfire questions. So I wanted to ask you, first of all, what is your absolute favorite strain of all time? Hmm. Thai weed. Thai land race. I love it. I love it. Okay. So next one. What is the most single memorable experience you've had with cannabis? Be it like, you know, because it was potent or just because of like the set and setting and it was super memorable. What's the number one most memorable? Um, this flavor that I came across in a deep chunk plant once. Um, I call it Top Rock because that's where it was grown. But it had such a rich uh, kind of coffee flavor that actually would coat your throat and make your throat actually numb. How give your throat a numb feeling? Um, it was nothing like ever anything I've ever experienced with cannabis um, before or after. Wow, you've only seen it that one time. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's beautiful. Love it. Okay, so on the other end of the spectrum, what's a strain where everyone was hyping it up and you were really excited to try it, and then you finally did, and you were just disappointed. Shit. <laughs> Can I say most everything that's bit, that's around right now? You know, I mean, um, every day, every day, everything's hyped up these days, and it never fucking comes through. Um, you know, as much as you're hoping, you know, you you, you just you know that the majority of what's out there um, fits that description. I think. Um, no, so not one sticks out. You know, thousands upon thousands upon thousands, a wave of them stand out to me. It's like you know. Everything is hyped up and it never delivers. <laughs> Holding no punches. So <laughs> let's say I'm going to drop you off on a mythical, magical desert island. You've got everything you need to grow and you're only allowed to take three strains with you. You can take seeds or clones. What three things are you going to take that are going to do you right for the rest of time? Huh. Uh... Haze, tie, and deep chunk in seed form all. That's brilliant. And then if I come back in like 20 years, you'll just have recreated everything? <laughs> no, I'd probably still be growing haze. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so final question. What is your ultimate hopes in terms of the future for the cannabis scene? In what direction do you want to see it go? What would be the best outcome in your mind? Hmm. Well, for to you know, finish to finish making it not a a criminal activity, you know, around the world, that would be nice. Um and for you know, as far as the scene goes, I wish people would just, you know, be be more doing what they want to do, what they like doing doing what they like, growing what they like, breeding what they like, what they like, not what the market's looking for or anything else, but I wish people would be more honest with you know what their favorite is and and kind of 
kind of take it upon themselves to be a steward of, you know, of those varieties. What a brilliant sentiment. I love it. I can totally endorse that one. So I think that just about brings us to the end of it for this one. Do you have any comments or shout outs you'd like to make? No, I'm good. Um, you know, I just, I know it's hard times for a lot of, a lot of people that are still in the, you know, cannabis, uh, growers out there and stuff and hang tough, you know, um, it's, there's a, you know, everything seems dark, <laughs> but, but <clears throat> there's, there's sunny sides to it too. Our roads are a lot quieter and, you know, it's kind of peaceful outside right now. And, um, and, you know, you're, you're just one kind of awesome clone away from changing the world. So stick with it. Brilliant stuff. So once again, a huge thank you to the old school legend, master of both the hash plan and the haze, Tom Hill. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Abby. Great to talk to you. There you have it, friends. A huge thank you to Tom for stopping by, sharing all of his knowledge. And a huge thank you to you for making it to the end. As always, huge shout out to the sponsors, guys. We couldn't make episodes happen without them. Shout out to Seeds here now and Simply Souvenirs. If you need seeds, whether you're in America or the EU, they got you covered with all the biggest names, hottest drops, Simply Souvenirs, Seeds here now. Shout out, guys. We appreciate you so much. Likewise, shout out to our friends at Copet Biological Systems. All the best pest and predator technology. Get their stuff, guys. You won't regret it. Just like pulse sensors, you need to get your garden dialed in to get the optimal yield. If you want to get serious, get yourself a pulse. A shout out to the Purple Pro team, sending me a Purple Pro. I've been using it. It's a very fun, accurate handheld results. Flower and concentrate. I'm using it to pheno hunt. Check it out. Last but not least, the Patreon gang. We love you so much. Please consider supporting the Patreon if you like the show and want to ensure it continues to happen, all while getting some cool benefits. That's about it for this one, my friends. I'll check you for the next one. I'll see you.